Grace, mercy, and peace from him of whom you have just sung. His grace, his mercy, and his peace. The text I wish to share with you is that which Pastor Schauer read as the New Testament lesson. And the message is entitled, strangely enough, Sweet Revenge. Sweet Revenge. Was it? Is it? Homer coined the phrase when he wrote the epic, the Iliad, 8th century B.C. And in the 2,900 years that have gone by, that same phrase has remained in our lexicon. We talk about sweet revenge. Is it? If you got revenge on someone who did you wrong some 20 years ago or 10 years ago or last week or yesterday, was it sweet? Or when the revenge occurred, did you find it was not sweet at all? Did you find that when whatever happened to the person who had done you wrong, you rejoiced for a moment and then you stopped and thought, what have I become? And did you find that the revenge that you waited for so very long <clears throat> turned out to be an empty void? Sweet revenge. If you've ever held a bloody sword, I pray, figuratively speaking, not literally, if you've held a bloody sword and you got that individual back, gave him what he deserved, then you know the answer to the question. Vengeance is not so sweet. Vengeance takes many forms. It can be a little strike, a hit, or a punch. It can be demeaning an individual, making up stories about them, and with the Internet the way it is, it's easy to destroy reputations that way. Whatever that individual did that affected a relationship or your finances, maybe he or she cost you your job. Maybe they cost you your family. Revenge takes many forms. I saw a young lady this summer. Had not seen her since I had married her some 14 years ago. It comes out that her children are playing in the same softball league that my granddaughters were in. Saw her three or four times this summer. Had long conversations with her. I asked her one time knowing her mother quite well, knowing she had moved to California. I said, your mom, she's still out in California. She gave me a strange look, and she said, Pastor, I haven't talked to her in eight years. I didn't ask her why. About a week later, I saw another young man. He's in his mid-40s. I confirmed him and his brother. They went to high school together, to college together. They played on the same softball teams. They golfed together. They were inseparable. And after I had talked to him for 15 or 20 minutes, I, I said, your brother, where is he? He's still in the area. 
Is he married? Does he have children? And after I had stopped asking him questions, he said, I haven't seen my brother, I haven't talked to him in 15 years. And there was such a look of disgust and anger on his face after 15 years. Revenge takes many forms, including the silent treatment. I will never speak to you again. I used to keep a book of special quotes that I came across. I had many, many pages of special quotations. I have long since misplaced the book. I've been looking for it for five years. There is one quote, however, that I have never forgotten. It is etched into my mind. The quote was from Marianne Williamson, and she said, Forgiveness is the greatest healing ointment in the world. Forgiveness is the greatest healing ointment in the world. How accurately does she speak? When you come up from this for the sacrament in a little bit, you will come walking straight into forgiveness. And when you kneel down here at the altar, you'll be kneeling straight in the presence of forgiveness. And when you look at the cross, you are looking at the greatest symbol of forgiveness that mankind will ever know. He died for our sins in order to say to his heavenly Father, This child of mine is forgiven. Their sins are as if they never were. They have been trampled under my feet. They've been cast into the depths of the sea. Forgiven. And maybe that's why the Bible says, if you have anything against a brother, if you are harboring anger or rage against a brother, before you come to the altar, make good with your brother. Because when you kneel down at the altar, you are receiving from Jesus what he expects you to give to others. You are receiving forgiveness. There are many different types of cancer. I read an article some years ago that the only organ of the body that cannot have cancer is the heart's. Pancreas, lungs, breast, bones, liver, everything, but not the hearts. And then about a year ago, I saw an article where it said some individual had cancer of the heart muscle. Is vengeance a cancer? Can you take chemotherapy and radiation and anger and bitterness and rage and vengeance goes away? You know the answer to that. It's not a literal cancer. But it can eat away at you from the inside. Destroying what God intends you to be. Destroying the peace he wants you to have. Literally changing who you are as a parent or a friend. Because you have so much anger inside. 
Marianne Williamson, indeed, forgiveness is the greatest healing ointment in the world. Solomon matched her. 800 B.C. Solomon said, a heart at peace, Proverbs 14, a heart at peace gives life to the body. A heart at peace gives energy to the body. But envy and hatred and vengeance rots the bones. That's what he said. It was a scripture reading within the last couple of weeks. Simon Peter came to Jesus, said to him, How often should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Is seven times sufficient? And Jesus looked at him and he said, Seventy times seven, Simon. Seventy times seven. Whenever your brother sins against you and comes and asks you to forgive, you forgive 70 times 7, which prompts you, if you are awake at 8.15 in the morning, which prompts you to say, what if they don't ask for forgiveness? You still forgive. Even if they don't ask for it, even if they don't want it, you still forgive. Why? Because forgiveness is something that affects you primarily, and it affects them secondarily. When you forgive somebody, even if they don't ask for it, you are saying to that individual, you are no longer having a hold of my mind, my heart, my soul, and my being. You no longer have a grip on me. I have forgiven you, I'm going to walk away from it. It is the hardest thing a Christian will ever do. To turn the other cheek. To bless those who curse you. To return no man evil for evil. It's the hardest thing a Christian will ever do. And yet, for your own peace, for your own health, that's what he says to do. You say not possible. For five years, for ten years, for fifteen years, I have not spoken to him. I have not spoken to her. That's how long this has been inside of me. You say not possible. Bible says possible. Ephesians 3.20 God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said one day to his disciples, If you have faith as small as a grain of mustard seed, you say to the mountain, move, and it'll move. Whether the mountain is an addiction, whether a mountain is fear or worry that is always in your life, or whether the mountain is a desire for revenge against another. With God... All things are possible. I want to share two vignettes with you to illustrate the point. First vignette is called King of Kings. And so he was. He was the creator of every bird that ever flew through the sky, the creator of every beast that went through the valleys or the hills or the meadows. It was his word that spoke 
And you have a billion stars and a billion galaxies. It was his power that caused the lakes to ripple and the mountains to rise like pyramids above the desert. He was the king of kings and lord of lords. No evil word ever trickled through his mouth. He never thought an evil thought. He never walked an evil path. His hands never performed a single wicked deed. Bible says of him, Hebrews 5.8, He was the only perfect one. His bitterest enemy said about Jesus, I find no fault in him. He should be set free. Scribes and Pharisees who hated him so intently wanted their revenge against him, though he had done them no wrong. When they are looking for witnesses to speak against him, having followed him for two and a half years, taking notes on everything he said, they couldn't find anything wrong, and they hire false witnesses to bring stories against him. The high priest asked him on that day, Matthew 26, he said, Tell me the truth, Jesus. Art thou the Son of God? And Jesus said, It is as you say. And the high priest said, Blasphemy, we've heard enough. Put him to death. He dies on that cross. He has no throne but a cross. He has no crown but thorns. He has no subjects left but a jeering mob. He's indicted for a crime and he's put to death. And after the scourging and the jeering and the hatred and the crucifixion, after all of that, hanging on the cross, he makes a statement. Which statement does he make? Does he say, God, send down fire and destroy these people like he did the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament? Does he say that? No. Does he say to God, curse them and their descendants? No. What does he say? He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Forgive the Roman soldiers. Forgive the chief priests and Sadducees. Forgive my disciples for running away. Forgive Simon Peter for saying, I don't know who this guy is. Forgive them all. They don't know what they do. In Acts chapter 6, when Simon Peter preaches the day after Pentecost, it says many of the priests came to the faith. Many of the priests who wanted him dead, they came to the faith. What did Jesus do? He absolutely rejoiced. He absolutely rejoiced. They nail him to the cross and he rejoices when they come to the faith. Luke 15, 10, the angels in heaven rejoice over every sinner who repents. And if the angels rejoice, where do you think God does? Where do you think Jesus, where do you think the Holy Spirit does? Jonah, when the whale throws him up on dry land, Jonah goes to Nineveh. 
And he preaches to the hundred thousand people in the city. And they all come to repentance. (laughs) What does Jonah do? Does he say, oh my goodness God, what a miracle. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What does Jonah do? He's angry at God. He's angry at God. He said, God, why did you allow these people to come to you? And God has to be shaking his shaggy head up in heaven. Jonah, what in the world are you doing? Jesus rejoiced when the thief on the cross next to him said, Remember me when you come. Jesus rejoiced when the centurion said, Truly this is the Son of God. Jesus rejoiced when the priest came to the faith. If you want to know whether vengeance has left your heart, then find out whether your enemy has been blessed. And if they have been, rejoice. As well you should do, since you had asked God to remove vengeance from your hearts. What Pastor Shower read was, As much as in you lies, be at peace with everyone. And that ain't possible, because not everyone's going to want to be at peace with you. For your own spiritual health, for your own physical health, you know what stress does to the body. For your own mental and emotional health, for the sake of your children and your spouse and your friends. God, deliver me from this anger. Second vignette, shorter, Joseph Grace. Not vengeance. He's sold by his brothers. His father favors him over the twelve boys, makes him a coat of many colors. Everyone knows, all of the boys know that he loves uh, this one, Joseph. Joseph doesn't uh, realize the danger involved, and he milks it for all it's worth. He dances around in this robe in front of his brother. Look what my dad gave to me. He has a dream, and he says to his mom and dad, brothers, uh, You're all going to bow down to me someday. That was too much even for his dad. He comes one time and his brothers are ten miles off, comes to visit them. They see him coming. They said, now's our chance. Let's kill him. They grab him. Reuben says, don't kill him. Throw him into the pit. Bible says Reuben was going to come that night and rescue his brother and send him back home to be safe. But before he can do that, uh, Joseph is sold into slavery. He's taken to Egypt, and by God's power, he rises to the right hand of power, second in command in Egypt, in charge of the famine relief operation. It's some 15 or 20 years later, the famine creeps to Canaan, and his brothers, who are still alive, they go to Egypt, they hear that there's food there. And when they stand in front of Joseph, they do not know who he is. They figured he's long dead, and maybe their conscience troubled them. And Joseph knows them immediately. He has in his hands the right to starve them or kill them. It's time for his revenge. 
But instead, Joseph fed those who tried to kill him. He chose to give life to those who wanted to take his life. He gave grace to those who showed him no grace. He didn't let them off the hook easy. He said to them, You meant this for my harm. Didn't let him off the hook easy. You meant this for my harm, but God turned it into good. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Our duty is to forgive. Vengeance is mine. Why? Because God knows that we don't. He knows whether that individual had a mental illness. He knows whether that Individual was abused as a child. He knows everything that you and I don't know. I've said to people many times, if someone sins against you unintentionally, then God forgives them as quickly as he does us. If someone sins against you intentionally, they will stand in front of God, either on this earth or later. You leave it in God's hands. I dare say that perhaps Joseph, when he forgave his brothers, I dare say he saved them from hell. I dare say that when his brothers saw forgiveness from him, they realized that it had to have been God. It had to... It had to have been God. Closing story, true one. My sister has a daughter. She had not spoken to her daughter in 10 years. A few months ago, she went and saw a movie. I can only imagine... It's a movie dealing with a father's abuse of his son. And his son at the end of the movie coming to his father who was dying and saying, Father, I forgive you. And then that song, I can only imagine, was written. My sister went to see that movie and with her was my sister-in-law. They sat in that movie. And my sister cried throughout most of that movie, and at the end of the movie, my sister-in-law said to my sister, let me write a letter to your daughter. And she did that. Some months later, she finally wrote the letter to my sister's daughter. And when my sister's daughter received the letter, within two weeks, she had called her mother after not talking to her in 10 years, and she came down to Dallas, Texas. And my sister's daughter said, it sat like a weight in my heart all these years, wanting to get revenge upon my mother. And my sister said, it sat like a weight in my heart all these years, Wanting a relationship with my daughter once again. 
If my sister needed her faith increased in the existence of God, that miracle was it. And if my sister's daughter needed a realization that God existed, that was it. Forgiveness is the greatest healing ointment in the world. Let me have a prayer with you as you rise. Heavenly Father, I pray that the sermon was wasted for many. I pray that it was a needless exercise for many. Because I pray that they do not have that going on in their lives. But Heavenly Father, if someone here this morning, in spite of all this rain, if someone here this morning has similar issues, I pray that your spirit would speak to them. And that which is not possible for us is certainly possible for you. Break down the barriers, Lord. Give me the ability to forgive for my own sake primarily, but also for the sake of the one sinned against. Such things we ask in our Lord's name. Amen. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.